This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Renz here with me talking about Michigan's 21 to 17 win at Penn State. Uh, we're going to discuss some of our impressions, our takeaways, things that stood out to us, and then maybe peek ahead at this week against Maryland. And then obviously, of course, Michigan playing, hosting Ohio State in two weeks. A lot to talk about. So we will just jump right into it. I, I wrote my post game column. Finally, you got to, got to use some quotes that I'd been hanging on to since July because I think, I think to me, Saturday was was Michigan truly proving everything they believed to be true about themselves. They, they actually were able to truly prove it on the field. Uh, it was a very gritty win. You could honestly go position by position. And there was just a lot of grit, a lot of toughness, a lot of perseverance shown. Um, Hassan Haskins, 156 yards rushing, 45 yards receiving, 109 yards after contact and nine broken tackles in the game. Uh, hard, hard to imagine, <laughs> you know, what, what that game looks like if he isn't running as tough as he is. I mean, the way he was lunging for extra yards and he's, he's done this in his entire career, but I, I really felt like, like Saturday was a, was an extraordinary showcase of what he is about and what he means to Michigan. Um, you know, Eric all, playing gritty, playing through a high ankle sprain that he sustained two weeks ago. Um, you know, not just, not just the big touchdown play. Obviously that's what everyone can and should remember, but, but felt like he had a, had a really, uh, uh, I guess, blue collar game before that play. And so that was kind of the payoff play, but I think, think he'd had a, a pretty, you know, kind of a head down type of game before that, um, you know, quarterback, okay. McNamara talked about some of the hits that he took, some of the, uh, well, and also bouncing back after the fumble. And then, obviously, on defense, Aiden Hudson, David Ajabo. I don't even remember how many. I think they combined for five sacks. It was a pretty good day for them. We'll talk about them a little bit uh, more into into focus. But, but you know, I Steve, I think especially on defense, just felt like there was a lot of grit shown. You know, when they were backed into the, you know, Penn State got, got into field goal range several times. And several times Michigan's defense did not allow the big play. They did not allow the touchdown. You know, Jahan Dotson averaged fewer than four yards per target. He was targeted 16 times, had only 61 receiving yards. You know, they, they would give up completions. I don't, I don't think there was like, it wasn't like this perfect game for the defense, but, but knowing how Penn state plays, I thought Michigan did a really good job of not missing tackles, not letting, you know, a, a productive play turn into a, to a breakout play. Um, yeah, just a, just a really gritty win. I think every fan that was watching had kind of the same thought when that fumble happened, uh, you know, when Kate McNamara fumbled the ball with, what was it? Five minutes to go and Penn state took the lead. I think every fan had kind of, I don't know if it was uh, trauma or, or flashbacks to, to past games where it seems like Michigan should win. And then they don't, it even occurred uh, two weeks ago. So really can't say enough about, about the grit that this team has showed. I think that, you know, they've, they've been on a mission all year, but I think to me Saturday against a very good Penn state team, a team whose record will never show how good they are. I mean, they did beat Wisconsin on the road. They, they did beat Auburn. Um, you know, you could argue they're an injured quarterback away from, from beating Iowa, probably beat Illinois as well. If, if Clifford's healthy, um, you know, held up, played Ohio state to within nine points. So this is a good team, better team than their record shows. Good atmosphere, Michigan really literally backed up against the wall and finds a way to win. I mean, you could just tell how fired up Jim Harbaugh was after the game. And, and I kind of wrote about it in my column. I, I think it's, it's because 
Michigan hasn't always won gritty. A lot of times when they score these wins over ranked teams, they're the buzzsaw and they just kind of torch whoever they're going to play. So much so that the joke now is that they don't count as big wins because Michigan wins so badly. This was a game where there was a lot of pressure. It's late in the season. There's a lot at stake. Um, you know, we talked about it before the game, how important this game was. And so you're talking about that final drive, whether Eric all scores a touchdown. I mean, that's the difference between nine and three going to a citrus bowl outback bowl type game and Michigan fans kind of wondering if Jim Harbaugh is the answer to now they can go into that game against Ohio state with everything on the table. They're probably going to go to a new Year's six bowl, no matter what. And, and suddenly the Rose bowl looks very, very feasible. And, and to, to Michigan's players, they can go into that Ohio state game potentially with a chance to win the big 10 title and or make a college football playoff berth. So, Steve, I don't. I, I know I just kind of gave the full summary, but but you know, from your eyes and everything you saw, um, what what can you say about about the grit and 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 kind of some of the the key things that stood out to you about the game? I thought it was a gritty game, right? I mean, Michigan wins, but I thought it was just a, a gritty game altogether. Uh, the two punters were two of the best players on the field. Very true. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, so we're recording this on Monday. Jim Harbaugh has kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I, I had planned on giving uh, a tip of the, a real legit tip of the cap to Sean Clifford because, man, that was a tough, tough <laughs> performance out of him. A uh, guy who's been banged up all year. Reminded me of like, Matthew Stafford's rookie season. Sure. And some of the games he had with with a very bad Lions team, but he was just, he was putting the team on his back. Right. You know, what, seven sacks for Michigan, numerous hurries, hits, you know, uh, just really kind of kept Penn State in the game. So a hat tip to Sean Clifford for sure. I mean, that was a hell of a performance for him. Penn State fans should really be, you know, they have a really good guy back, good player playing back there at quarterback. So props to him Uh, for Michigan. Well, I mean, I predicted 21 to 17, it was 20 to 17. So again, not shocked at the outcome, but yeah, I mean, the way it happened, I think was not, it's, it was, it'd be fair if you were sitting at home they get the Penn state forces, the sack gets the fumble, uh, kicks the field goal. It, it would be 100% fair to immediately think that it's deja vu and they're going to do it again. And they, they answered, it was across the board though, quarterback at tight end coaching, you know, Jim Harbaugh made a comp, made sure to point out how the play call they had been waiting. They almost been, it sounded like they'd almost been waiting on it or at least waiting for the, opportunity to use utilize that play and then on top of that though here's the other thing the offense goes down and scores and then the defense immediately shuts Penn State down that's the other thing it wasn't a this didn't turn into a you know Penn State drives the field and has a couple shots in the end zone at the end of the game I mean Michigan just immediately put the foot down and and put a game of a game away that you know because in some ways, to me, and I don't know if you agree, this game was kind of similar to Michigan State, where it felt like it felt like a lot of the mistakes that Michigan was making were somewhat self-inflicted. A couple penalties offensively early on. I think they only ran what four for like six plays in the first quarter total. Yeah, you know, four false start penalties overall. Right. Um, so. It, it, it was, it was one of those games that just, it felt like when you're watching it, it was like, well, Michigan clearly looks like the better team, but they're kind of letting Penn state hang around. They're not, you know, really putting this game out of reach when it felt like they had opportunities to do so, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you wonder, and again, we no idea what will happen in two weeks. I don't think either. Again, I don't think we're in a situation yet where, Either of us are going to pick Michigan to win that game, but the way they won on Saturday, you know, kind of breaking out of that mold that it feels like they've been stuck in just the program period for a long time. You know, you never know 
you know, what that can kind of propel. So I thought the other thing Jim Harbaugh made a comment that I thought was important was seeing young players emerge as guys that can make plays. You know, this is not a veteran team across the board. You know, a couple of their better players are vets, but this is a young team, you know, for the most part, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, to see some like a guy like Roman Wilson, who's been banged up a little bit the last like six, seven weeks, come in, catch two touchdown passes. Eric All, we talked about really kind of the first, you know, you look at last year, it's just, it's clear now based on what Michigan's done this year. I, I you really could just throw away whatever happened last year. Uh, it was just, it's, it was an out, it's an outlier just strictly based on the records that Harbaugh's had throughout his career, but also an outlier from just, it just seemed like things just completely fell apart. So I look at a guy like Eric All, and this is really kind of the first year he's gotten a, a, a real opportunity to kind of establish himself as well. And he's obviously done that. So, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about, about the performance for Michigan. Happy Valley, not never an easy place to play. I know I think you've said it's the most raucous atmosphere in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, you know. not quite the same. On, uh, for a noon game but it was still it still was pretty raucous I think I, I give Penn State fans a lot of credit they the entire I'd say 80% of the stadium treats it like Michigan student section does sure just in terms of their they're engaged the entire time they're singing to every song or booing every call um, and I and you know it didn't it was not the same as the night game on Saturday but after the fumble the press box was shaking and, and, and I was telling there were a couple of reporters who were there for the first time. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's in a night game. You'll hear it. It'll shake 12 to 15 times in the game. I think it only shook two or three times on Saturday, just because Penn state, if they had had like a touchdown, we can talk about the missed opportunities they had all day, you know, all the times they probably should have scored a touchdown and didn't. Um, but especially after that fumble, and, and, you know, everyone I'm sure watching at home is like, here's Michigan's crumble. Uh, yeah, it got loud. It was intense. Right. It's one of the few places, even when you're watching it on TV, where like the camera kind of shakes a little bit when they like when something big kind of happens, they show the replay, you know, it's, uh, so that's always that's always pretty impressive. But yeah, the other thing, too, real quick, that that Jahan Dotson stat is just that's got to be one of Michigan's best stats of the year. 16 targets, 61 yards. When Penn State did not run the ball well again, you know, that that's, you know, I think it was a Harbaugh said going into the game, it's like you can't shut a guy like that down. Outside of a couple, maybe that fourth down, you know, outside of that, like it felt like they really, he was a non-factor for most of the game. You know, it was the other guys for Penn State, which is what we kind of expected and wondered. You know, I think Parker Washington had a couple of nice plays down the field, you know. But otherwise, I mean, for the most part, that's the best job. That's why I wrote in the postgame thing. Uh, that was the best job anybody's done on Dotson all year. Uh, I say that because I think he had worse statistics against Iowa, but Clifford was out for, what, half of that game? More than half of that game? I can't remember when uh when his injury occurred in that game, but I know yeah, it, was, it was more than half, yep. right? A healthy chunk of that game, Penn State had a backup quarterback in. So, you know, and he had almost 400 combined receiving yards against uh, Ohio State and Maryland the two weeks prior. So, yeah, I mean, can't say enough about Michigan's job in, in, in making him a, you know, basically a non-factor uh, for the most part. So, well-deserved, I, good, a good opportunity to kind of give the pass defense their due a little bit here. Absolutely. And, and that's, I mean, that was the key, right? I mean, we have everyone, not just us, but everyone wrote stories like, look, this coverage group, it's clearly improved. I think the big question was how would they, how would they stack up? And, and I think I said, I don't remember if I, what I picked in the over-unders, but I think I kind of said Michigan's quietly done all right when there's like one major receiver that they have to shut down. And, and Penn State does have a few receivers, of course, but but what's interesting about the Dotson stats, I'm looking over the um, uh, the PFF stats right now, is there wasn't – it wasn't just one guy. You know, it wasn't just a one-on-one matchup against Dotson. You know, he Michael Barrett was covering him at one point. 
Josh Ross was, obviously Vincent Gray and DJ Turner, who I, Turner, you want to talk about this defense or this team kind of being younger and on the rise. Him and, and Rod Moore, I mean, I don't think Rod Moore had quite the game Turner had, but but they've now had 10 different first-time starters on this Michigan defense this year. And, and, and I mean, really, yeah, their best players are veterans. You know, Josh Ross, Aiden Hutchinson, they're Brad Hawkins. They're like super veterans. But add in Daxon Hill, really no one else other than those four is like a veteran. You know, David Ajabo, he'll, he'll probably go to the draft at this point, as, as he probably should. Um, First-year starter, you know, DJ Turner, really had done nothing before this season. Talk about the linebackers. Um, yeah, it's uh, Mozzie Smith, another guy who, I mean, he, he's almost, at this point, they're not newcomers because a lot of them have played 10 games under their belt. But, but yeah, I think, um, I think that was a big step-up game for the coverage, a group that I wouldn't say they'd struggled earlier this season, but they hadn't been the strength of Michigan's team. It hadn't been something that Michigan was like, yeah, got, got the lockdown pass coverage. Um, on Saturday, they, they might as well have, you know, Penn state's going to throw for yards because they're going to throw a lot period. But, you know, DJ Turner was targeted six times in coverage, allowed five passing yards, two receptions for five yards. Uh, Vincent Gray, I thought he had a couple of really nice tackles as well. I mean, t- the, the kind of plays that that prevent points, I guess, is is how I would put it. So, yeah, P- Penn State, they threw 43 times, 44 times, so if you count the fake punt, uh, and, and Clifford had 205 passing yards. So it's, um, you know, they did a nice job. Even, if the, even though they allowed 23 completions, they limited the big plays. Steve, we just talked about the coverage. Obviously, the pass coverage and and avoiding the big passing plays downfield is made a lot easier when your team is just super – it's just a mismatch almost how how dominant they they were up front in the pass rush. Um, I'll pull up the the full pressure stats in in just a second. But you you and I were talking before we hit record. uh, Aiden Hutchinson probably locked up his – all-American bid on, on, I can't imagine that there's two or three defensive ends, edge defender types who are uh, better than him in the country right now. So I think he's, I think he's locked that up, you know, him and him and David Ajabo first duo in Michigan football history to both record double digit sacks uh, with at least three games left. They only need two sacks a piece to tie the all-time Michigan football record. And it wasn't just them. Obviously, they got the sacks, but the pressures, you know, Taylor Upshaw, four pressures. Mike Morris had three. Mozzie Smith had three. In all, Michigan had 33 quarterback pressures on, I believe, 40. Oh, I got 54 pass rushing snaps. So, yeah, it's um, it's just an extremely dominant performance. It's something Michigan, I think, felt capable of doing, but it's much more meaningful, obviously, to to really do it on the field and, and really hit home on on more of those pressures. I know Clifford got a few runs where he was able to to escape downfield, but they seem to clean that up. But Steve, my question for you, you know, I know there there's Michigan people who are kind of vouching, punching in their ticket for Brayden Hodgson to maybe be a Heisman finalist. I don't know enough about the rest of the defensive players in college football to to make a case for or against that off the top of my head, but he's got to be up there in terms of one of the best defensive ends in Michigan football history. Does he not? I'm curious, curious what you, what you saw from the pass rush. And then also maybe I may, I guess we can wait till the end of the season to discuss it, but an, a generationally good defensive end season for Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. I think there's been a decent amount of discussion on our board about in the last few weeks is if, if this is the best, duo and I, at this point i don't i don't think you can i was gonna say it's got to be argue, the best duo right it's just fun. it's just it's interesting to think though that like think about the beginning of the year uh that that's even a conversation we're having right now uh that you talk about you know they mentioned mike mcdonald as a Broyles award candidate 
during the telecast on Saturday. And that's another thing I don't maybe don't think has gotten enough discussion uh, and not so much because in, at least from my standpoint or for us, like we cover the team or we're there, we, we know what's going on every day. Uh, not so much about the raw stats necessarily, but like just think about where this unit was mentally, you know, 12 months ago. And now you, like I said, you got, you got Hutchinson who, yeah, absolutely. It was a joke. Was it the Walter camp that he wasn't on or something like 15 players? Caleb Williams was one of them like for nation's top player and Hutchinson wasn't on the list. Uh, What a joke would not take that award seriously. You know, all American, the Heisman thing that we talked about a little bit before we recorded, you can't say you can't make a case. You know, whether he's whether it's he's done enough to actually seriously enter that conversation. I know we mentioned Will Anderson from Alabama's had a huge year for them defensively. Uh, I'm sure Georgia with their defense has a guy that's that's probably in that conversation, too. But, you know, fair for Michigan to pump that up. You know, as a, as a possibility, I think McDonald, a couple other staffers uh, off of pro football focus who, as I know you said, mentioned um, they love Aiden Hutchinson, you know, mentioned him as should he be getting some Heisman buzz. And and obviously, no doubt, the people in Schembechler believe he should. And, uh, again, I think there's a case. Doesn't mean he should be invited to New York or will be. I don't anticipate he would be. But um, either way, yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, a job was emergence. Again, a lot of that's we're talking, we're we're getting to the point now where we're talking about a lot of guys that maybe we thought or were predicting would break out last year are like not just breaking out this year, but are like taking that leap that we always talk about. Also, there's a the thing about breakout, but then there's that leap. You know, we talk about if if X, Y, and Z can take the leap, Michigan can win a lot of games this year. And they're getting that. Um and yeah, like even guys maybe more towards the latter half of the season, like DJ Turner, a perfect example of somebody who has become a, a huge asset for them. I mean, they did all this without Jamon Green was really kind of the guy I think they looked at as their number one corner going into the season. And they shut down Jahan Dotson without Jamon Green not on the field. So, I mean, yeah, you can't, to me, you can't say enough about the individual play up front but also just the unit as a whole. And, and yeah, along with Hutchinson, historically, as we talked about, like, you know, maybe Brandon Graham, Winovich and Gary almost kind of cancel each other out a little bit. You know, he's got to be, like, Hutchinson top two. Graham's really the only other one I can think of. I mean, I'm sure we go back further. You know, I'm sure there's some guys I'm missing from probably – before I was born, but for our generation, like Hutchinson to me, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. The only thing I'd say about Brandon Graham is he did it on a horrible Michigan team and probably attracted a lot more attention just because yeah. I don't think he had a David Ajabo type player on the other side. Uh, but I would still probably lean towards Hutchinson. Cause like I said, the one thing with him is he's impacted the game in so many other ways than just, getting sacks and, and even getting pressure, you know, he's, he's just the ultimate, you have to account for him kind of guy. And uh, so, yeah, he was one of the five players. Normally I wouldn't pick the star player as a player to watch or the player that I'll be watching, but that he was one of the five guys I picked for this game because I had a feeling that this was a game he could take over if he wanted to. And he did. So, you know, not a surprise that, that, you know, this continued against Penn state. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's like I said, cemented himself as an All-American, probably top two at worst as far as Michigan defensive ends. And uh, like you said earlier, we talked about before recording, either he or Ajabo could easily set the sack record for Michigan this season. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, just edge, you know, talk about a uh, blank you, edge you is becoming a possibility, a real possible thing for Michigan. You know, as far as the guys, that not just in the, the fact that they've played well in college, but a lot of these guys have gone on to play really, like Rashawn Gary was playing a hell of a game yesterday for Green Bay until he got hurt. Quiddy Pay has been one of the best rookies in the league this year. 
Josh Uche has his snap count has grown considerably for New England. You know, I mean, they're not just producing guys, but they're producing guys who then go on to become productive in the NFL. So there's also that whole thing about the position deal where if you're a prospective recruit at that edge position, you should be really looking at, at what Michigan has done over the last four or five seasons. Yeah, you should, uh, you know, in terms of, they should have their pick of the litter of edge recruits moving forward. I mean, they've taken five-star guys, turn them in the first round picks. They've taken, you know, three-star guys who were ranked outside the top 900, turn them into first round picks. They've taken, um, you know, in-state guys, turn them into first round draft picks. They've taken guys from Ohio, turn them into first round draft picks. Um, you know, and, and, and Ajabo is someone who, I mean, probably, probably, might not have even necessarily known a ton about the position. I think he joked about that in one of his interviews he did early on in his career that, you know, they were, they were telling him he was edge outside linebacker and he was, he was kind of sifting through what that, what, what all that meant when schools were recruiting him and Michigan has now turned him into a probable first round pick, I guess. Um, There is, there's still stuff to be done, you know, talking about Hutchinson. I think he would tell you, Really doesn't matter where he ranks right now. It matters where he ranks in two weeks. But yeah, looking at looking at the all time list, I I think he's got to be up there. I mean Graham and and depending on how you want to count Woodley, you know if he's it's is he an edge guy. Um, those are the only two that that really jump out in terms of being all Americans and having kind of the numbers to go with it. At least in the last. 25, 30 years. It's kind of hard to, the, the defensive positions have changed a little bit since, since the seventies and eighties and whatnot. So yeah, really, really impressive. I think um, really impressive. As you said, Mike McDonald, making sure that this scheme was going to lead to sacks. I mean, for a little while there, I mean, for, we talk about all these draft picks, these high draft picks and productive NFL players. The sacks were always a little bit less, I think than people, we're hoping, you know, it was always, I mean, PFF, Michigan fans probably love PFF more than any other fan base because it's always been Rashawn Gary has the third most quarterback pressures and, and Chase Winovich has the most. And, and, you know, there's a lot, always a lot of pressure. I don't know if there was always sacks. And, and as you saw Saturday, that changes the game. The pressure makes a big difference, but Clifford can escape pressure. He can run downfield. Maybe he can, he can. He had a couple plays where he was facing pressure, and he's able to get a throw off. Sacks change the game. Sacks end drives. They kill drives. They give you a field position advantage. And without saying this in a trying to sound like a jerk here, it it hurts the quarterback like physically to be tackled instead of pressured. So, um, you know, all of that made a difference on Saturday. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. We'll talk a little bit about Michigan's offense and what this win changes in our mind heading into these final two weeks of the regular season. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So we've talked a lot about the defense. Offensively, um, I guess the big story of the game, of course, was was Hassan Haskins. I think a lot is going to be said about his his fall forward rate. We talked about it. I mean, even for him, he was he was basically carrying defenders on his back. Um, 
I think that has a very intangible effect on the rest of the offense. You know, Eric all kind of joked about it after the game Saturday where he's like, yeah, I'm doing a block and Hassan Haskins is helping me up off the field after he just did his run. And so, you know, the, the joke is like, then he says, well, I got to go get, got to keep blocking. Cause he's, he's just going to keep running. He's going to keep, keep playing. I think quietly, Steve, the, the biggest thing offensively in terms of looking at the rest of the season was Haskins in the receiving game. I think that is, especially uh, since we don't really know Blake Corum's status. I know, I know Sam had a, had a report. Um, sounds like the Ohio state game is a little bit up in the air um, at the, at the, at the very least. Um, he's not think, playing. He's not playing against Maryland. Even if he was like, I, I, I don't right. Yeah. This and, is all and, about the Ohio state game for Corum right now, for sure. Right. Right. And, and whether he plays or not, I think one quiet thing that really is going to help Michigan is Haskins getting a little bit more comfortable in the receiving game. He's, he's had a few catches before, but I mean, basically on Saturday, he had more catches, more receiving yards than he had the entire season before that. So I think that's quietly something really big because Penn state has a very good coverage defense. They're, they're good in coverage, especially downfield. I had the stat before the game, big 10 or power five teams had only completed five passes all season on 29 attempts, 20 or more air yards downfield. I mean, really, if you were getting receiving yards on, on Penn state, it was yards after the catch. So without those deep passes available, something Michigan has relied on. I thought, I mean, credit to Kate McNamara, credit to Josh Gaddis, but also credit to Hassan Haskins, you know, those, those dump passes. It, I, I, I know where Michigan fans are kind of like, ah, you're settling, whatever. Those were open all game, though. Not and not just Haskins, but but um, there were a couple tight end, you know, a couple a couple other short ones, just kind of just over the offensive line heads. Obviously, Kate had a couple throws where he did not get it over the offensive line's heads, but but I think that's something that really helps Michigan. And now now they've beaten teams in the passing game in so many different ways. They've beaten them over the top with the deep ball. They've found the tight ends kind of near the sidelines. And now they've got just these little dump passes that, that might seem underwhelming, but they really added up over the course of the game. They kept moving the sticks for Michigan, especially on their scoring drives. And it just makes it really hard for defenses because they have to decide, you know, if Haskins could go downfield and make a catch, they have to decide, well, do we, do we send how many, how many players do we have blitz? How many, you know, what kind of pressure package are we working with here? knowing that McNamara and Haskins can connect for a, I don't know, the total distance of the throw might only be five, six yards, but it can go for 12, 13, 14 yards. So can't say enough about Haskins' toughness as a runner, but I think what he showed as a receiver is a very, very encouraging sign for Michigan's offense. I mean, we could go on about what he does and how he does it, uh, I mean, just little things like, like what I believe one of his receptions was a play where it, it looked like McNamara like threw it way way too hard. Like it's almost as if he didn't realize how far away or how close Haskins actually was, and Haskins like still just like plucked it right out of the air. I, mean, I, th- I thought it was a play that a lot of players, a lot of backs, maybe would have dropped that ball or it would have slipped right through his hands because it was thrown a little bit faster. Um, or something as simple as, well, just typical Hassan Haskins stuff, but like the, it looks like he's, you know, he's going to gain about four, but like just a slight movement with that, with the combined with that power that he has and gets two or three more yards out of it. You know, to me, one of his biggest values is as much as it is about, you know, third and one. You know, he's such an asset there. To me, it's it's about the second and fours and second and fives that he creates for Michigan. Uh, I, 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 if I had one criticism, not of Haskins either at all, I, in this game in particular, I did think that Michigan's play action was a little too predictable at certain points. Whereas, like, as far as 
you know, I thought Michigan should do go play action a little bit more on first down. The times they did, though, it was always after Haskins had run the ball three or four straight times, you know, and it seemed a little more likely that they would maybe try to go play action and, and not, no, you know, not run him, not run him five straight times. But yeah, I mean, his value, like you said, I, th- I think it was, it's important to mention the, the intangibles, like you said, the, the way he runs, the way he plays rubs off on his teammates and stuff. So, you know, that was the other kind of, like, where does he stand? Not obviously not, obviously not in the conversation for the best Michigan running back ever, but where does he kind of sit in that top 15 or 20 backs, you know, just for, it's not as easy to gain a thousand yards as it used to be. And he's splitting carries with, with another highly skilled guy in Corum, you know, as uh kind of guy, I think a lot of fans will look back on someday as sort of a fan favorite, just because of, of the way he plays and, and, how valuable he's yeah. been in some of their bigger games. So yeah, that, you know, Michigan offensive line, mostly. All right. You know, I think we talked about Ryan Hayes struggled a little bit, not an easy matchup. You know, I think Penn state has a couple of good guys, a couple of yep. good players up front on the edge. Uh, yep, They do. They're, they're not edge you, but they're, they're, they're pretty good. Right. And so, yeah, I mean that Penn state, what is it? Is it Michigan, Ohio state, the only teams to score three, or did Ohio State didn't even score three touchdowns offensively, did they? I think they had a fumble return in that game for a touchdown. I want to say Michigan was the first team to score three touchdowns in a game. Oh, wow. Against them this season. I'd have to, like, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Jerron Cage had a fumble return uh, for Ohio State. You know, 33 to 24, I think Ohio State had three field goals, a defensive touchdown, and two touchdowns, or four field goals or something. Uh, but either way, you know, Michigan – you know, has had a as much, if not more, success against Penn State defensively than anybody has had this season, and that would be the second elite defense. I, would we call Penn State elite or borderline? I mean, they're up there. They're great, right? Can, so, can there be elite, great, and then good? And right. Then I think that, okay. In that great that's territory. Fair. That's fair. I mean, we're splitting hairs a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. But that's the second great, let's say, great or elite defense that Michigan has perform maybe the best against uh you look at wisconsin who right now actually i want to say wisconsin passed georgia in defensive yards per play this season you know wisconsin's defense is amazing and michigan has had a pretty good amount of success against both of them so and that's where i was like it is one of those things where it's what's so interesting about the offense for me from the big picture point of view is that it they, they came through in the clutch on Saturday. It still always does feel like there's more there. And I don't mean that like as a knock or a negative. It just, I still think there's another level that they can kind of take it to uh, in these last two weeks. And statistically, they have faced the two best defenses they're going to face in Wisconsin and, and Penn State. Ohio yeah, that's State, a good point. Yeah. Ohio State statistically is not as has not been as good as Penn State defensively this year. So, you know, I, th- I think there's there's still room for growth in these last two weeks for that unit. And you wonder, we talk about that spark and the way that Michigan won. And then the other thing I keep going back to, I know they were all on the road, but it feels like Cade McNamara's three best games this year were against Michigan's three toughest opponents in Wisconsin, Michigan State, and now Penn State. And I kind of wonder, you know, does he have some sort, does he have a little bit of, now again, he didn't play a perfect game on Saturday, not by any means, but three touchdown passes, efficient once again, mistake-ish free. The the the, the knock on him is that he he – has a tendency to miss some throws that he should make, but he's still not making those critical errors in big situations. You know, is, does he have the, that it factor that, that Michigan may need in two weeks, you know, is it something that's been interesting to me? So a lot of, lot of questions still, but, but really it just feels like there's, there's still some upside with this unit 
And, and as Harbaugh, as I mentioned earlier with Harbaugh mentioning the younger guys that have stepped up, you know, they've week by week, they've had different younger guys kind of step into these roles and, uh, and succeed. So, you know, big question for me now is, yeah, can they use how they won on Saturday into maybe trying to take a next step in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. I want to, I want to spend a second shouting out Cade McNamara's game. I, I, you know, I remember I saw when Michigan wasn't, when the game wasn't over and people weren't sure if Michigan was leaving points on the board and things like that. Uh, there's there's a little bit of hemming and hawing over some of his short passes and, and the numbers back that up actually against Penn state, he completed two of seven passes of just 10 yards or more downfield. That's, I don't know if I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, a team win where they only completed 10 or two passes, 10 or more yards downfield. Uh, one of them was the Roman Wilson touchdown. I, I put, singled it out in the moment that that was a, a really, really good play call. Uh, they probably got a little lucky. It seemed like Penn State just missed, misplayed it, but a great route running, great throw, and great play call coming out of a of a timeout on that on that 21-yard touchdown pass. But really, they didn't get anything else that was deep downfield. I mean, nothing. And, and it, it, But on the other side, McNamara was 17 for 20 on passes nine or fewer yards downfield for 183 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that is, that is the definition of taking what the defense gives you. You know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, kind of dump passes or, or, or check down kind of plays, but it worked. It did. I mean, he didn't, he didn't misfire his receivers and pass catchers. We talked about Haskins with that one catch, you know, his, his receivers helped him out, of course, by not dropping passes, by not, you know, tipping passes. If they, if it was going to be an incompletion, it wasn't tipped to where Penn State could catch it. Um, but yeah, Penn State basically said, "You're only going to beat us on these passes, on these throws that are like five yards downfield," and that's exactly what Michigan did. And that's, it's hard for for me to to properly articulate how valuable that can be for Michigan. You mentioned mistake ish free. I mean. The, Every quarterback's probably going to make mistakes against a, a good or great defense, but you know he wasn't trying to force anything. I believe that was one of my keys for the game was was pass smart. You know, don't don't force anything in the passing game. Just take what the defense gives you, and that's exactly what he did. And I think that's super valuable because now you know Maryland. I kind of feel like they'll beat Maryland no matter what the game plan is. But Ohio State has to decide how they want to defend Michigan's passing attack. Because you probably can't fully stack the box at this point, uh, you know. Maybe, maybe you still try and just hope for the best. But, but I think Michigan's finding ways to to beat a stacked box, both in the run game and the passing game. Um, thought that thought that drive in the first uh, first drive of the third quarter. Thought Michigan, you know, some of those outside off tackle type runs. I thought those were those were that was a brilliant way to to start the second half. I was. I was still eating my halftime snack, so I didn't I didn't watch it super closely, but it seemed like they had some some you know guys were heading way downfield, making some great blocks on uh, like defensive backs, like I think Vastardis maybe I think had a pull block that where he was just bullying a, a cornerback almost. So um, you know I think I think this offense you mentioned there there is still more to to you know there's I don't know if it's points left on the board, but but there's a higher gear. And I think Saturday, even though it was a quiet game statistically offensively, I think it showed little wrinkles here and there that I think could pay big dividends against Ohio State and and you know, presumably whoever their bowl opponent is as well. Um, where yeah, it's um, you know maybe how do you defend the dump pass? Do you do you take out someone you know who's trying to blitz the quarterback? And McNamara, I think you mentioned the decision making under pressure on Saturday he was actually under pressure quite a bit uh, I think 12 dropbacks he was under pressure he completed eight of 10 passes for 73 yards that's that should get Michigan fans excited because I think if Ohio State if there's one thing they can do well on defense at least from what I've been able to see it's get to the quarterback but if, if he's not gonna be afraid of pressure if he's not going to make bad decisions out of pressure and he's going to complete 
passes, then yeah, this, I think this offense suddenly, I don't think it's ever going to blow anybody away. I don't think they're going to put up, you know, 50 points on a, on a, on a good defense or anything like that. But I think I, I really feel confident that they're not going to get shut down either. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't know. Maybe listeners disagree, but like, I think that they're going to be good for three touchdowns or 20 plus points against every team they play. So it's just a matter of, is that enough points? Is that, is, is it consistent enough? Is it something where they've, have they cured the red zone issues? They did have, um, I mean, I count that McNamara 21 yard pass. I count that as a red zone conversion. And then, and then obviously they, they had another one uh, to start the, start the third quarter. Steve, any, what's, what's Michigan's biggest concern point right now? You could probably point to Blake Corum's injury status. Um, I think I would point coming out of this game. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, but the offensive line still not necessarily paving a ton in the run game. Uh, I think they're doing enough, but when I see Haskins has 109 yards after contact out of 156 total yards, to me, that says, okay, the offensive line probably could be getting a little bit more push. We talked about um, allowing some of the quarterback pressures that they allowed. To me, that's probably the biggest remaining concern. I think they're, you know, the, the secondary showed me a lot. I'm not going to knock the, the secondary at all at this point. I think that the question will be because Ohio State's receivers are insanely good. They've got like four Jahan Dotsons. So that's that's a question they'll have to answer. But ultimately, I'm erasing that on my list of concerns about Michigan. It's it's kind of the offensive line, and then and then staying healthy. Any any other concerns you would add that you're kind of maybe maybe they can aim to correct in their trip to Maryland this week? Uh, I mean, it's uh, I don't think whatever they do against Maryland isn't really gonna. Um... True, but, but stuff ton. that they can my, right. they can work on maybe this week in practice, things like my, that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I, uh, looking at Michigan right now and looking at what's left, I think the biggest question is they or the biggest concern or, or what they need is they they cannot let Travion Henderson do to them what or let Travion Henderson do what even close to what Kenneth Walker uh, did to them a few weeks ago. Everyone always wants to talk about Ohio State's passing game and the wide receivers and stuff. Uh, eight times out of ten, this game has been one up front. The game has always been one up front. Whoever wins, whoever wins the battle in the trenches, has almost always won this football game. And I don't think this year is going to be any different. Uh, I, I, that's my biggest concern. If you're is is that they they need to wrap up. And they need to they need to fill gaps up front to to keep Henderson from basically unlocking the rest of Ohio State's offense. So whether they can do something against Maryland to kind of get kind of keep you know going with that, I got to think after with what what will happen against Michigan State that that Michigan I mean obviously they're going to understand the importance either way, but I think you know was the ultimate wake up call for them in that regard because their rush defense has been really good this year, except in the, in the biggest, the biggest game they've had. So that's my thought. I am always looking at the running game against Ohio state. They always run wild and it always opens everything else up. So that's, that's my biggest thing. You know, can the interior, can Josh Ross, can whether it's Colson, Hill Green, any of the you know, can can these guys make the right reads and tackle? And uh because I do, I, I really, you know, Ohio State, I'm not surprised that they blew up Purdue. That was it was that's one of those games that you just you knew how that was gonna go. I I I don't the spread for Michigan State, Ohio State was like 18. Um I know Michigan State's pass defense is really bad. I'm gonna interested. It'd be interesting to see if that if that spread holds. But again, I just think Ohio State's a horrible matchup for Michigan State. So, basically, you know, like Michigan will have. I think, but at that being said, is Michigan or Ohio State's offense has looked human-ish against the better defenses that they've played. 
this season. They do not look like the ultimate jugger, like you know, the, the juggernaut that they've that they've had in years past. Now, again, we we like you we've said before, flip of a switch, they have the talent where they could walk into Ann Arbor. That could happen. That's always a possibility. But I just let that's that's where I'm at. I think it comes down to that it, that front seven slowing down Henderson and kind of forcing Ohio not forcing Ohio State to be more one dimensional than maybe they would normally want to be. You know, like I said, everyone looks at 18, throwing the ball over the field. But we've said this before. If you look back at that game year in and year out, more often than not, whoever's running the ball for them had a huge game and had a huge game early and it opens up everything else. So that's where we're at. They should, they yeah. should be 10 and one. This really comes down to how do they win that football game? Uh, you know, and, and I think I still think, and people may disagree because it is like you said, they have like four John Dotsons. I mean, you have Garrett Wilson out against Nebraska and uh, Jackson and Jigba has like, 18 catches or something it's like you know must, yeah, 200 plus yards yeah. yeah that's their third receiver so uh yeah you know but I just I still think it starts up front and Henderson is as talented as a lot of those guys that they've had before I mean in a lot of in, in some ways he's he'll his career will end up being a better one than than a lot of these backs that have torched Michigan in the past so uh for me, if, if, if I'm looking at one thing right now for Michigan, that's really, to me, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's a good one. And, that, and that's one that we weren't able to really gauge much of against Penn State. Penn State has a lot of talented backs. I think their writers were telling me they have five running backs with who were four-star recruits. Um, none of them have been productive this season. I think uh, Kevon Lee has been all right, and he got a little bit more run on on Saturday, but nothing compared to Henderson. And then that is one thing, Michigan defense, we did say, you know, the coverage guys, they're going to be able to just, and, and the pass rush, they're going to be able to kind of lean into Penn state's going to have to throw 45 times in this game. Um, I think they, I think they threw 44 technically, but, but you get the idea, right? They were a little bit more one dimensional. So that will be something to keep in mind is Ohio state can kind of do both and they probably will do both. So it's just going to, um, going to be interesting to see, but regardless, Michigan, you mentioned nine and one, we'll talk about the Maryland matchup later on this week, but seems like decent odds. They'll be 10 and one new year, six, 10 win season. I mean, those are, those are good benchmarks of a stand. You know, that's, that's kind of what Michigan fans expect. Everything beyond that will be determined on November 27th as is, is, is this a special season or is this a good bounce back season? Anyways, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.